This is the weekly podcast from Spotswood at Ladysmith in Caroline County, Virginia, USA. Rick Nicely is the lead pastor. Good morning, Spotswood at Ladysmith. We're so glad you joined us this morning. Uh, we are excited about bringing your message. We're starting a new series today on the book of Hebrews. Um, this series is going to last eight weeks. Um, and even though that seems like a long time, there is a ton of meat uh, in the book of Hebrews. So um, we're actually going to be kind of going uh, through it pretty quickly. I think about um, our girls and I have been watching Star Wars, uh, the series. And so I think about light speed. It's, it's beautiful, but it goes by really quick. You don't catch it all, but there's going to be a ton of things that we cover over the next several weeks. And hopefully it'll be a time of encouragement and challenging to you. I also want to go ahead and thank Matt last week uh, for preaching. He did an incredible job. If you haven't seen that, make sure you go back on our YouTube channel or um, our archives on our website. So let me go ahead and get started, and let me start out with a word of prayer. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity again to teach your word, and God, I just pray that as, um, as I teach, God, it will not be my words, it'll be your words, and God, it'll pierce the very heart and soul of men and women and boys and girls. And God, it will bring forth a fruit in their life. God, if they don't know you, they'll come to know you. And God, if they do have faith, God, they'll be increased in that faith and grow. Father, again, thank you for the opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. As I said, we're going to be doing the book of um, Hebrews. And um, I'm going to go ahead and start with chapter 1. And we're going to go ahead and read the entire chapter and then come back and begin to unpack that. So go ahead and follow with me Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. Long, t- long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purifications for our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels he said, He makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the sun, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. You, Lord, laid the foundations of the earth in the beginning. And the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. And to which of the angels has ever said, Set at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are an inherit for those who are to inherit salvation. Now, 
The first thing I want to talk about, I want to talk about a little, little bit of overview of Hebrews before we begin to unpack this. One is that the author of um, Hebrews is anonymous. We don't know exactly who it is. It could be Paul, Paulus, could be one of the others, um, Paul's companions. Um, it could be Barnabas. We don't know. Um, the other thing is that we don't know exactly the audience um, that the, the author was writing to, but, but we do know that this author took for granted that this must be a heavily Jewish uh, audience because he takes in consideration they must have a vast knowledge of the Torah, which is the first five books of um, the Old Testament, and really the foundation for Judaism. And so because, because of that, really, um, other than Romans, it's the second most quoted of Old Testament scripture than any other book in the New Testament. So almost every other verse or so, every several verses, there's some type of Old Testament quote that comes in this. And there's really two main goals in the book of Hebrews as we see the author lay out. The first one is that Jesus is superior. Um, and we're going to be talking about that mainly this morning. And the second thing is that we should remain faithful to Jesus no matter what. Even during adversity, even during hard times, uh, we need to stay faithful to him. So let me go ahead and unpack the big idea today. The big idea is this. Jesus is above all. In other words, he's superior. He's above all and is the full revelation of God. See, the message of Hebrews uh, to the present-day church is really this. Jesus is better. Jesus is better than anything we have. Um, Jesus is better than anything the world has to offer. Um, in other words, better than anything that we as believers may be tempted to fall back into, uh, maybe our former way of life, uh, maybe tempted to fall back in the old sins, maybe tempted to fall into um, some type of cultural norm or, or some type of pattern or way of thinking of this world. And see, he, Hebrews, the book, is really going to challenge us, even in the midst of adversity, that we need to make sure we fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the, the author and finisher of our faith. And we need to live by faith. Uh, we need to run the race that's marked out uh, for us. So let me go ahead and jump right in here. We see in verses 1 and 2 this. Uh, we see, long time ago, many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, he has appointed him the heir of all things through whom he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the words of his power. Now, I want you to think about this. I mean, this is clearly that um, the, the book of Hebrews has got a clear mandate, um, a clear picture uh, that displays a clear, profound awareness of redemptive history. In other words, all the Torah, the Old Testament, all points to the person and work of Jesus. We, we said it once, if we said it a hundred times, we said that this book is one continued narrative of the person and work of Jesus. See, while Hebrews makes many individual points relating to redemptive history, it all serves to one basic point, is that Jesus is superior. He's over everything. He's better. Um, in fact, if you, if you look at a quick overview of the book of Hebrews, it's going to tell us that, that Jesus is better than the prophets, that Jesus, in this chapter, he's better than the angels. He, he's better than Moses. He's better than the Old Testament priest. He's better than uh, Melchizedek. Um, he, he's better than the sacrifice uh, and the fi sacrifices of the Old Testament. So he, he is better than all of these. 
Um, through Jesus, God has brought about the long-awaited-for new covenant. And this is what we see in this. Jesus is better. And it says here, he, he is the, the radiance of God. Now, I want you to think about this. This is a picture of uh, the sun, the actual sun, S-U-N, earthly sun, uh, and space, and the radiance of that, right? The, the rays of the sun. So, so think about this. Um, when you have the sun, S-U-N, you got to have ray, sun rays, right? You, you got to have the radiance going out. There's no way it can be hidden. So, but also, if you have the radiance of the sun, you've got to have the sun. So you can't have one without the other. This is the, the author's point, is that to have Jesus, you got to have God the Father. Have God the Father, you got to have Jesus. So they go hand in hand. And the other illustration that he uses, or metaphor, is this, this idea of an imprint. Um, it's this idea of a, of a, a signet uh, ring, where in, in the Old Testament, in the old days, in the kings, they would have wax, and they would have a ring that had a, a signet on it. And so when they pressed it on, they were exactly representation. And when you saw that seal, that seal represented the king. And so that seal can never be broken except for those who had authority uh, to do that in his kingdom, which is the king himself. So this is what we see. We see the author laying out very clearly that this is Jesus is God and God is Jesus. And we see this. And then uh, verse 4, it talks about this idea of having become as superior to the angels. Now, you wonder right out the gate, why is the author comparing uh, Jesus to angels? Well, if you go back and you do your, your, your history in, into the Old Testament, Deuteronomy, I think it's 33.2, um, kind of implies, and, and from oral uh, Jewish history of the Bible, it implies that the angels brought um, the, the law uh, and appeared to, to Moses. And so what, what the author is trying to clearly say is that uh, Jesus, the Son of God, is superior to angels. He, he's superior even to the Torah. He, he overshadows all these things. And so Jesus is not an angel. He's superior to angels. He, he's above angels, and he's going to lay out all these things. In verse 5, he says, uh, For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. So Jesus is not an angel. No, Jesus is worshiped by angels. So when you look throughout the New Testament and you even look in the Old Testament, anytime an angel would appear and if any human being tried to worship him, you can go back in, in the book of uh, Revelation, see this, I think it's in chapter 19 and maybe 20 and 21, where John uh, saw this vision and these angels appeared to him. And he went down to worship them, and he said, no, 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 get up. There's only one to be worshiped. And so uh, we see this, that when any time we, we see in the New Testament, it happened several times where, where people would fall on their face before Jesus and want to worship him. Guess what? He never stopped them. If he was an angel, he would have stopped them. He wasn't an angel. He's God himself, God in the flesh. And so we see this. Anytime an angel is, is somehow about to be worshiped, uh, they stop and say, no, there's only one to be worshiped. And so God, every time... Jesus, every time he was here on earth, in fact, even when he came in the triumphal entry, they worshiped him, uh, saying, Hosanna to the highest, right? He didn't stop them. Why? Because he is God in the flesh. So we see this. We also see where it says firstborn. Um, and, and this idea that firstborn really is this idea of, of 
the first born out of the grave, uh, the come forth out of the grave. Um, in fact, if we go back and see in, in verse 5 where it says, uh, Jesus is the Son of God, and in no way ever has, has been an angel or um, has never been mentioned to be an angel. In other words, when you read uh, Psalm 2-7, which is what this is quoted out of, the begotten Son, it's this idea that the word literally means to be unique or, or the one and only Son, like John 3-16 talks about. And, and brought forth means to be begotten, means to be brought out of the grave. So Jesus is the Son of God, and in no way an angel ever was or is, okay? And Jesus, again, is not an angel. Jesus is worshiped by angels. He, he is to be adorned by angels. Now, I, I want you to understand that uh, there's many um, religions, and even some who claim to be Christian religions, that have twisted this. Um, we, we, we know Muslims, they, they believe that Jesus was a great prophet, but they don't believe he was the son of God. We, we know Judaism believes that Jesus... Uh, was a teacher, right, but not the Son of God. And, and even Jehovah Witnesses and Mormons want to say that he was some type of created being. But when Jesus said, I and the Father are one, listen, he meant he's God and, and, and God is him, right? So they are one. In fact, that's why we see in the New Testament, uh, when he, he was brought in, uh, arrested during the night and brought into a trial, they they said, you know, you tell us if you are the son of God. And he says, that what you say is true, right? And they ripped, ripped their clothes and, and are angry, right? Smack them in the face and say blasphemy. This is why we see this over and over, that really the reason Jesus was crucified by the Jews was that he was saying he was God. So this is what we see. In verse 6, it says that, again, he brings forth the firstborn in the world. He says, let all the angels worship him. He's being worshiped. By angels. And then verses 8 and 9, of the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever, and the scepter of your uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. Now, I want you to understand that Jesus is not an angel, Jesus is God. Now, what's interesting about this, it says, Right here, it says, therefore, God, your God. Now, that's a reference to Psalms 110. So I, I'm going to turn back there, and I think it's really important for us to read this because this is a, uh, a psalm of David and probably didn't quite understand it then, uh, what, what was being said. But now, in full view of church history, I understand Jesus, uh, his life, his death, burial, and resurrection. We, we come back, and this makes a lot of sense. Now, it says in Psalms 110, uh, verse 1, the Lord says to my Lord. So in other words, he's saying, my Lord said to my Lord. Lord said to my Lord. In other words, God who has a God, right? Well, that's a picture of the Trinity. That's a picture of um, Father, Son, and Spirit, a God who has a God. And so th this is the reality is that Jesus is God. And then verses uh, 10 and 11, it says this, it says, And you, O Lord, lay the foundations of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. Now, this is a great um, reference both to Genesis 1-1, but also Hebrews, uh, Hebrews 11, what says this. Um, Hebrews 11-3 says, 
By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was, was not made out of the things that are visible. In other words, there's a Latin term called ex nihilio, meaning created something out of nothing. Now, we as human beings, we can take a piece of wood and we can craft and, and make something into it. Uh, we can maybe build a table or furniture, but we started with something, right? And, and God has innately put in us this desire to create and cultivate and do all these things, which is which is awesome gift from God. But the reality is we we cannot speak anything to existence. But we see here that Jesus is there in the beginning. He spoke the things in into existence. Uh, we see in John 1, right? Uh, the word became flesh and dwelt, and there was nothing made that was a part uh, that was made, right? In Genesis 1, we see this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the, listen, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And then later in chapter 1 in turn, we see that it said, let God, or let us, Elohim, let us make, make man in our image. What? That plurality, Father, Son, and Spirit again. So this beautiful picture of the Trinity um, all through the Old Testament and the New Testament of this picture that Jesus was before all time. He was with God, the Father, the Spirit, and he will be all through all time. In fact, it says here, um, it says, they will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment like a robe who's rolled up, like a garment that will be changed. But you are the same, and your your years will have no end. And to which of the angels did he ever say, set at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool, footstool for your feet? So Jesus is seated on the throne as king. Listen, and angels dispatched to do the king's bidding. In fact, we see down here in verse 14, because really verses 5 through 13 are kind of just the explanation, the bullet points, if you will, for why Jesus is superior to angels. And then he kind of follows up and wraps things up in verses 14, where he says, and they are, are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? In other words, angels are about doing God's work, but God's work is to help us, right? He he is to he is to it's about to bring God's glory and our good. And so I, I want to make sure that as we um, kind of go this last little section of teaching, I, I want you to make sure that as you listen to this this morning, that or whenever you may be listening to it, that the truth is ringing out in your heart that that Jesus is infinite. He he's superior to angels. Um, they were created not to not to compete with God or not to c compete with Jesus, but, but to worship Christ and to honor him. And the chief way they do that on earth is by serving us. Uh, we hold fast to Christ and trust him and his love and treasure him and finally reach out to him in fullness of salvation. So the angels were created for Christ's everlasting glory and for our everlasting joy. So as we, we, we talk about this, we need to understand because Christ is more glorified in, in us when we are most satisfied in him. And so angels, ministering spirits, are sent out to serve us as believers, to help us as we live out our lives. And so this is what we need to know. Um, 
there's this great book that um, I recently looked up, and it's called Putting Jesus in His Place, and it it's uh, the case for the de- uh, deity of Christ. And the authors do a great easy way of um, kind of a an acrostic. They they basically type out, if you will, hands, H-A-N-D-S. Um, and, and, and this is a real simple way of kind of understanding um, this first chapter. And the first one is H, standing for honors. Je- Jesus shares the honors of God. The second thing is A, Jesus shares the attributes of God. So he's he, he, he shares the same honors that God is deserving. He also has the same attributes that God has. N is this, Jesus shares the names of God. So when you look in here and the names that they're using, these are the exact names that they use in the Old Testament, Yahweh, Elohim. These are the names of God, right? Uh, the, the fourth thing is Jesus shared the deeds of God. And so we, we see that Jesus did Everything that God has done, He was there with He was there with God at creation. He's with God again. He always has been and always will be. And then the fifth thing is that Jesus shares the seat of God's eternal throne. In other words, Jesus is King Jesus. He's prophet, priest, and king. And so He's our mediator. There's only one mediator between God and man: the the person Jesus Christ, the man God, Jesus Christ. And he is the one who sits on the throne and he intercedes for us on our behalf to the Father. And so as we, we think and unpack this first book of Hebrews, I, I think it's really important as we think about uh, Jesus being superior to all things in our world and all things in our life. Uh, and he is the full representat- representation or revelation of God that, that we really think about this. If Jesus truly is better, if, if he's better than anything we have here on earth, anything we'll ever experience, then let me ask you, what is maybe one thing that you, one lesser thing that you're, you're putting your trust in today that you need to just let go? Um, we all do this, right? We all struggle with things in life that many times that we know they're lesser things. We, we know they don't measure up to God. We know they don't measure up to Jesus, but we continue maybe to put our trust in, in that. Um, and listen, you, you can have a great relationship with God, but you can somehow begin to make other things, those lesser things in your life, somehow take priority, uh, somehow be more superior than, than God himself and Jesus place. So I want to really challenge you with that today as you think through Jesus being superior and him being over all things, um, that what is that one thing that you need to let go um, that you're putting your trust in that does not measure up? It's not Jesus. And so you need to put Jesus in that superior spot because he deserves it and he is. Let me go ahead and pray for us this morning. Father, thank you so much for our time together. Thank you for your word. And God, I just pray that as uh, we talked about the superiority of your son, Jesus, God, that you would rule and reign. We know you rule and reign, but God, you would rule and reign over our hearts and our minds. God, I pray that those who hear this understand, God, that uh, you're not an angel. You are God himself. God, that we're not turning into angels one day. Uh, we, we were uh, sent angels, uh, ministering spirits to minister to us. And one day we'll rule 
and reign over angels, um, but, um, but God, that you, you are the superior one and you're the one uh, and your son we need to put the trust in. So Father, thank you for our time today. In Jesus' name, amen. Take care and God bless. This has been the weekly podcast from Spotswood at Lady Smith in Caroline County, Virginia, USA. Thanks for listening and God bless you.